Hello, and welcome to the Gone But Not Forgotten podcast. This is the second episode in our two-part series on John Garfield, so please make sure to listen to the first one if you haven't already. If you have, then stay tuned for a great episode. We hope you guys like it. So (laughs) next, I'm just going to briefly talk about this one because I don't remember it very well, but I do remember liking it. So it's called Nobody Lives Forever. It came out in 1946. Once again, John Garfield is playing a criminal. No, <laughs> no I'm shocked. He gets involved in this plot to con this really rich widow, but then he starts to fall in love with her, and he's like, oh, doesn't want it to go through. So he's trying to like stop them, but not let them know that he's going to stop them. Playing the widow, Geraldine Fitzgerald. Oh, great name. Yes. Do they um, have chemistry? They do, yeah. I like them together. Oh, that's my fun. Yeah. And then, of course, it's kind of like a morality thing where it's like, what's he going to do? Is he going to like double-cross her or is he going to really help her? All that good, juicy stuff. I know. Like, that plot is quite... You've seen it in a lot of films. I wonder if that was a fear of that time. I would be scared. If yeah, I was no. rich and a widow, I think all these people were trying to, like, get my yeah. money. But if it was John Garfield, I don't know, maybe I wouldn't care so much. Yeah, no, you'd let him. <laughs> it's okay. And, yeah, now we could talk about, what do we have? Oh, Gentleman, or no, Humoresque. Humoresque? Yeah, yeah. Did you and watch Humoresque? I did, yes. Yes, perfect. Yeah, I like Humoresque. A bit of an odd one. Not a criminal, finally. Yay. <laughs> but he's mean. Okay. Yeah, he's all. <laughs> <laughs> I like I feel for him in this one so it's yeah. kind of like Rags to Ricky's a violinist who just hits it big basically from a very poor small town family or in the streets of New York and stuff like that and then he meets like Joan Crawford's character she's just a rich woman right is she an actress or is she just rich <laughs> she has some sort of power though yes she's very powerful in this like circle and she basically like latches onto him and stuff it's okay it's all right it's quite long though yeah i didn't like this one i don't like joan crawford i'm sorry i don't like no, her. that's fine this is my first of her film and i actually really like her oh <laughs> no i'm glad she just creeps me out a little bit <laughs> i was gonna say olivia wilde i feel is the spitting image oh, of joan crawford yeah and oh, she's just, just as dramatic exactly just, just something <laughs> to just throw out there nothing to do with this but <laughs> just didn't work for me because once again it the movie really hinges on their relationship and I didn't think they had chemistry but it is interesting to see that power dynamic where it's like a woman is the manipulator yeah and the older one yeah it's cool to see John doing something a little bit different like he's playing a musician John Garfield didn't actually play the violin in this the director of the film said that we made a big hole in the elbow of John Garfield's coat and a real violinist's hand came through it and fingered the violin. Another violinist was behind him. There were three guys doing the bowing and John Garfield was in the middle. So, so they, the author said so that clever. the effect was so convincing that Garfield was often requested to play the violin when he <gasps> appeared on publicity tours for the film. Oh my God! I watched The Bishop's Wife with Cary Grant. And he's an angel in it. And he plays the harp. 
but it looks so because he's not playing it it looks so fake (laughs) so seeing that because you can tell there's hands and not his there's arms so seeing that and then seeing john in humoresque i was like wow yeah this is how you do it that's really creative honestly that they even thought of that yeah because they could have just had him be like pretending but yeah it doesn't look right no it's so good he has like a girl from his neighborhood that he's been with and it pictures her a little bit for Joan, and then it's like how it affects him. His mum's really upset with him and stuff. Like it, it's a, it's just a melodrama. I feel. Yeah, I remember it being like super sappy, and I hate that. It's very <laughs> sappy. A little fact. Yes. So John Garfield kept deeply looking into Joan's eyes to get an emotional bond because you know he's like such a method actor. She didn't like it one bit. She told the director, <laughs> tell him to stop looking at me. <laughs> I just love that. Like, that's so funny. If John Garfield did that to me, I'd probably like pass out or something. Yeah, no, she couldn't handle it. <laughs> she was overwhelmed. <laughs> just the fact that their acting styles are so different hinders the film as well because John's like way more naturalistic and is the character. And then Joan Crawford is very melodramatic and over the top which is fine like if in their own separate films but it just put those together and it just I don't know it's so awkward yeah 100% agree should we do gentlemen's agreement yes yeah and I think you yeah do you want to, do you want got to take this. it yes. yes okay gentlemen's agreement we're going 1947 Gregory Peck and he poses as um as being Jewish because he's writing an article about anti-Semitism and he wants to get like proper results and see how people treat him when they find out that he's Jewish and stuff when he's not. And and then for authenticity, he calls his friend Dave Goldman, who's played by John. He's in the war. So it's another war. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah, he's a soldier, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. And he's Jewish. John Garfield's not really in this film a lot. He comes over and stays with Gregory Peck a bit. But yeah, it's not really a John Garfield film. Like I wouldn't go into it thinking you're going to see him a lot. Yeah. It does just really follow Gregory's character. I don't know. I, there's some aspects of it that's really good. And then there's some aspects of it that are bad. I don't know what to feel about this film. I really don't. Apparently no one got on on set. No one liked Gregory Peck, apparently. What? And apparently Gregory and John did not get on. I don't Which believe that because they yeah. were friends. That's well, so I will tell you, they did become friends. Yes. yes. It didn't need this bad film in the way. Like. No, yeah. I can understand that. The fact that he's pretending to be Jewish to write an article is what rubs me the wrong way because yeah. at least within the film, like he doesn't seem to care very much about like the anti-semitism he's experiencing like from his co-workers and even like his girlfriend or something I can't remember yeah, like Celeste yeah, Holm yeah. or yeah and of course little baby Dean Stockwell he plays Gregory Peck's son and all the kids at school bully him for being Jewish and then one of the female characters is like oh it's okay because you're not actually Jewish yeah. and so then it's like what message are you trying to send here yes once he posts that article, he's not Jewish anymore. It's just redundant. It's, I just don't understand it. Yeah, like it's all just for 
it's like clickbait honestly yeah <laughs> I pretended to be Jewish for a day <laughs> oh god no so bad yeah I feel like they were definitely like patting themselves on the back and stuff which I it is good to see this brought up in a film from the 40s but like it just wasn't it wasn't done right I don't think yeah it's especially interesting because there was another film that came out the same year called Crossfire that's about anti-Semitism as well. And okay. it's like a very different approach to it in where this Jewish man is killed by a soldier. And then it's like a murder mystery and a think piece mm-hmm. as well. But in the novel version, the character that is killed is actually gay and he's killed because of that but then they changed it to him being Jewish for the film I don't know like what I feel about it but I just thought that was odd that because it doesn't really make sense within the context of the film like it would make more sense if he had been gay but anyway I just think like Hollywood trying to do trying to make commentary on stuff like this just yeah does not work and it never really has no yeah. <laughs> it's it reminds me of like green book and yeah. driving miss daisy like those are not or the help as well and obviously that's all more on like race relations so it's, it's so poorly done all the really bad depictions of this are like the ones that win awards and are like the most yes. popular yeah and, like this one best picture that's insane. Like, why <laughs> do, you, do we know what it be that's something I did my dumb. I can look. This is a really odd collection of films. Okay. Okay. So yeah, Gentleman's Agreement one. Yeah. The Bishop's Wife. Crossfire. <gasps> Did you mention that? Whoa. Great expectations. <gasps> and Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. What? This is like <laughs> we've mentioned like all of these films. <laughs> yeah. So weird. If I had to pick one though, it would probably be Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. But it's like, like, how do you compare? Nah, see, I think Bishop's Wife should have won that. Okay. Bishop's Wife, Stan. (laughs) (laughs) How they did Cary Grant's Heart Fans. (laughs) I can't believe that was up. Yeah. Yeah, But let's be real. Gentleman's Agreement is a typical Academy. Oh, my God. Be able to win in it. Like, rubbish. It won, let's see. Yeah, Supporting Actress, Directing and Best Picture, and then it was nominated for three other ones. Oh, because Gregory Peck, I was going to talk about this when we talk about Body and Soul. Yeah. Because Gregory Peck was nominated, wasn't he? He was. Against John Garfield and Body and Soul. Very interesting. I like that. Different, yeah. Then, yeah, we have the (laughs) Edwin Gwynn, who played Santa in Miracle on 34th Street (laughs) 1 for supporting. I don't don't even know what to say to that, I'm sorry. Santa won an Oscar. (laughs) Which is so funny to me because he was up against Robert Ryan, who played like the anti-Semitic murderer in Crossfire. <laughs> All connected. <laughs> Santa or an anti-Semite? <laughs> you take it. So yeah, it's just funny to look at what, because it's all basically the same films, like all up against each other this year. Yeah. And they're all completely different. They're so different. <laughs> 1946 was a wild time. 46. It was a very weird year but yeah it's a John Garfield film don't watch this I think he only has three scenes and he's just there to be like don't be anti-semitic which like is a given I feel but I guess he has to be like the voice of reason within the movie 
but that's such a trope within Hollywood, isn't it? Of the, yeah. the oppressed person gives a rousing speech to the person that's not being oppressed. And it's just so bad. It's not their responsibility to no. tell everyone and teach everyone. Yeah. Like, it's on you to learn and be a better person. So, yeah, I feel like it was just in trying to do something good I felt like it was just promoting so many of the same stereotypes and it sucks because I love Gregory Peck I love Dean Stockwell I love John Garfield and then it's like why is this the movie they were in like why why this one Dean Stockwell was quite good at it though he was so cute yeah I bet he probably didn't like making it because he hated crying in his earlier films and I feel like he had to cry a lot in this one yeah. Uncle, what if he didn't get on with Gregory Peck as well? Oh, no. No. <laughs> no Literally, all the trivia for this was about how much everyone hated John Gar- <laughs> Gregory Peck or how much they hated the film. <laughs> Maybe that just all came through to me as a viewer. I was like, yeah. everyone is so bitter and mean. Yeah, It wasn't made with love. Like It wasn't. It, it, I felt like they must, Kazan must have just done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird one. It's weird. <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. So Body and Soul, like also one of the most famous of his works. It's a boxing film, humoresque in a way with like rags to riches. But I'm not doing this film justice at all. It's a really good tale of this boxer. And then it's how he gets in with the mob. And most of the time they're like fixing his matches and stuff. And then it's all leading to the big match at the end where a lot of money's on the table. And he throws the fight he loses it and we're like yes it's kind of like his salvation basically yeah good I really enjoyed it uh, this is something I understand the hype for yeah this is good this is a very well-made film James Wong Howe's back as the cinematographer mm. yeah oh my god there are it's some shots so in this film looks incredible yes beautiful film and there's a, I wrote down this specific scene transition there's a shot of Charlie so that's who John's girl playing Charlie Davis and he like gets up in bed and as he gets up he's in his boxing dressing room <gasps> I loved that so much that right? was so good oh my um, god I love that <laughs> we both got that yeah. yes <laughs> that is very memorable brilliant I it took my breath away I, I have to make a note of it it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> but the um the James Wong Howe thing he when he did the boxing fights the scene he would be on roller skates <laughs> and he'd be pushed with his camera I love it. I love it. It feels really immersive. I hate to say modern because like modern doesn't mean better. Like it's more fluid, not as stagnant as most older films are filmed. Yes. And it's very influential. I made Scorsese want to be a director. Influenced Raging Bull, obviously. Just really good. I also wrote in my notes that after watching so many bad Elvis films about boxing. It was very refreshing to see a good film. <laughs> I was like, whoa, good boxing film. What the? Yeah, I actually, I hate boxing as a sport, but I love boxing films. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this one definitely ranks very highly. Another one I'd recommend that's like a little bit similar is The Setup. Oh, okay. 1949, Robert Ryan. Nice, <laughs> your guy. Yeah. Yeah. I do like it. But it's not my fave personally, just objectively, it's good. It's a good, I can see it's a good film. Yeah. But, Why yeah, do you I think not just how gravitate? It, 
I think just like the plot, I don't like boxing. I, 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 there's nothing that can get me excited because <laughs> it's just plot wise. And I don't know, it didn't grab me as much, but I can, oh, I can appreciate it. It's beautiful to look at, really well done, made, well made and stuff. But yeah, just, I wouldn't choose it. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Boxing oh. is not no for everyone. <laughs> it's really not. No. What are your thoughts funny. on it? I love this movie and I would highly recommend it, especially. If you want to see John Garfield, just be incredible. It's my favorite performance of his. And I love how it is a critique on toxic masculinity. We aren't meant to really like his character, but we can sympathize with him. And I really like, oh God, I can't remember her name, but the his love interest. Yes, I, oh, I wrote that because she wears this gorgeous dress. Yeah, I think I know um, which one you're talking about. Her name's Peggy. The character <laughs> is called Peggy, and her the actress is Lily Palmer. Okay, I yeah, I really liked her. I thought she and John Garfield worked really well together, yeah. and she had a lot of importance to the story, other than just being his girlfriend. Yeah, definitely. And I just really appreciated that. Also, there's a character in this. I can't remember his name, but he's played by Canada Lee and um, John Garfield like really lobbied for him to be in this film okay. uh, because he wanted a black actor to play the character, but then not be like how black men were ter- stereotypically portrayed in films. And so I think it's really cool that he really he wanted him to be in this movie and to be portrayed as a real human being and not just a caricature. They have a really interesting dynamic because Canada Lee was he was also a boxer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But he like got a head injury or something. Yeah, so he, he had to stop. Yeah. And so he's really upset about that because boxing was his livelihood. So then is it Charlie? Yes, no, his name's Ben. His name's Ben. Ben Charlie. Okay, Ben and Charlie. Okay, so then Charlie recruits Ben to his team yeah. so he can still be in that life. Something people probably hadn't seen. Just like these men just having a normal relationship, like a friendship. Yes, and John to bring him in like that as well. I, yeah, I'm really appreciative of that. And I think that's something a lot of actors, like even today, can learn is that like you have the power to help other people and you should use it. Yes, yes. Yeah. I remember there's a really good scene with him and Bennett outside in the boxing ring, like practicing. And their dynamic's very interesting to watch. It's very good. Yeah, because I feel like he, Ben is one of the only people that Charlie can be more real with. Yes, yeah, he's not a yes man or he's not part of the mob. <laughs> yeah. And he's not trying to prove anything, like be all macho yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Have you seen Raging Bull? I've not, no. Okay. No. It's one of the films I'm very like, oh, I'm so scared of watching it and not liking it. Yeah. I tried watching it and I was, yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> that's so fair. But I think I can definitely see the inspiration yeah. that Scorsese got with Body and Soul and I just I'm like so dramatic this way and that I want people to know like where he got that inspiration from yeah and no one has heard of that movie and they always think that Reggie and Bull like created 
stuff and I'm like there's tons of boxing films that came before it that like kind of do the similar things or the same thing I can't say if it's better or not but yeah I just I always urge people to watch these earlier boxing movies because you might not have Raging Bull without Body and Soul yeah that's insane what's next force of evil yeah okay i didn't watch yeah. this one so okay you have to tell me all about it because oh. <laughs> this is one where I, yeah i it didn't work for me i don't really i don't it's not it's weird <laughs> this one's on the 1001 movies list which is insane this one yeah what yeah. oh my it's and postman was as well right yeah and postman is the only two it doesn't make body and soul wasn't on it so yeah so force of evil polonsky again 48 and this is what actually blacklisted polonsky because i didn't get any of this so i guess red and communist you know Mm -hmm. i didn't get any of that but so john garfield's evil again (laughs) not as evil but basically he's doing like a lottery racket and he wants to get his brother on it. And his brother's like good, clean cut businessman. He's got life about him. And but he doesn't so his older brother doesn't want to be a part of it. And John Garfield just keeps at him all the time. And that's where I might have to stop because I oh. don't even know. I don't even know. <laughs> oh, that's a really bad sign. Maybe I just don't know about this era because I just I didn't get any of that at all. Yeah. Like here you go, someone just put Polanski made one of the most damning anti-capitalist films of American cinema. And I, I didn't, did he? <laughs> it's a well-made film, I could say for that. I'll always watch John. I think he's brilliant. This is the one where he had to stand on an apple box when he would do scenes with Marie Windsor because she was taller than him. Oh. <laughs> taller than him. Oh, bless. That's so cute. Marie Windsor said she's 5'9". Yeah. And there were two stars in my life who didn't mind that I was taller than they. George Raft and John Garfield. Oh, I love that from him. He She's... is short and he don't care. Like, no. Oh, see, that's yeah. a real man. That is a real no short, short king. Syndrome. Oh, love him. <laughs> He's the short king. <laughs> so sounds like you would not recommend. No, but I think I am like, I am in the minority here. Watch it. Just to say you've watched it, you might enjoy it. But yeah, nah. No, I don't believe the hype. Okay. <laughs> I kind of understand why Postman is on the One Puzzle One movies list, just because, like, I don't know if people know about it, but this one, I couldn't tell you one thing. Yeah, I'd say if you were going to pick John Garfield, like, I would probably pick maybe eight others before yeah, this yeah. one. <laughs> I would never land on this one. I'd probably no. put Gentleman's Agreement before this one. <laughs> that one's not in there? No, and you know what's weird, interesting, is that on the trivia for it, it says, this is one of, I think, it's about, it's one of eight Best Picture noms, Best Picture winners, that's not on the list. Huh. Because normally, I guess, a Best Picture, it's got to be on it. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of a few that's not on it. Okay. I don't really understand the criteria for that book. No, you just got to accept it. Yeah, (laughs) it's so random. Some of them do make sense, and then some of them you're like, who likes this one? <laughs> Your life's not going to be altered if you watch this. No. Yeah, Should we do that, another one? Nope. I have We Were Strangers. You watched it more recently, so yep. I'll have you explain it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's 1949. Oh, directed, can I just say this? John Houston. I'm ah. shocked. They don't think they made a film together. I just never put them two <laughs> together. His name's Tony in it. 
Tony. That's quite a classic mm. American New York name. Yes. Um, so it's set in Cuba during the revolution, or like yeah. one revolution. And yeah, yeah, so Jennifer Jones, her brother is part of the resistance, I guess. And then he gets killed by like the Cuban police or something, or who the villains are. And I don't really know this conflict very well. That is why we don't like <laughs> it. Confusing. I didn't understand all the Cuba stuff. I just don't. Um, so her brother dies, and then so she joins the resistance. And they're all like Cubans. And then John Garfield's the American. And that's what they call him. And they're an underground movement. And they're like digging a tunnel. I don't know where it's going. I'm guessing it's oh, like a, a guy thing. Like, are they going to put the dynamite in it? Yeah, they want to blow up somebody. I think they want to overthrow the government. Yes. And they're going to make it so there's going to be like a funeral or something. And so they're digging a hole like through the graveyard so then they can basically, yeah, blow stuff up. Yeah. Yeah. So it does give us John Garfield all dirty from working out. Yeah. In a a tank top. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, John Houston. (laughs) And then there's like a shootout at the end, which is fine. But Jennifer Jones holds a machine gun. Yeah. Oh my god, oh she's so flipping badass. I, I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watched this on 1.5 speed. <gasps> no. I'm so no. sorry. I'm so sorry. I just I do blame it on the fact that I just don't really get I don't know the history or the context. Yeah. I'm not ignorant. I want to know. I just don't know. I got a lot They didn't of like explain it very well. I will say. It seemed like they assumed you knew. Yes. And for me, Probably like, I don't time. really know politics of 80 years ago. <laughs> yeah, no. Sorry. Uh, yeah, no, J- J- John Garfield's fine in it. It's quite a subdued role for him as well. He's like, it, not in the shadows, but he's quite cool, calm, doesn't talk a lot. But a lot more laid back, I feel, which is cool. And I like both Jennifer Jones. She's very good. Yeah. yeah I won't be <laughs> negative. What do you think? No, it's totally fine. I think I'm in the minority and nobody really seems to like this except me. <laughs> no. <laughs> because I watched this with my parents and I think they both fell asleep at one point. Oh my gosh, and classic. I'm on Letterboxd thought it was mediocre, but I don't know. There's just something about it that I really enjoyed. And I will say the the fact that they're white actors playing Cubans is like, Mm, yeah. yeah you can do better than that yeah. and like jennifer jones accent yeah yeah uh, but looking past that i think like the fact that they made this film and the stance they take on it is very understanding i feel like they weren't trying to be offensive and it didn't come off that way to me yeah if anything it's very much on the side of these revolutionaries yeah. and so i think that's why it was so controversial when it came out yes. because first of all it's a film about cuba so like everyone's like ah, communism yes. and then second of all it's like very anti-establishment and overthrow governments and stuff like that and hollywood is not like mm-hmm. that so maybe that's another reason why i do like it is because it's something very different for the time and i felt like it w- did have a message but the message was not to force it down your throat like gentlemen's agreement <laughs> Yes, I got a casting fact if you want to hear it. Okay. Listen to this. Houston wanted the then unknown Marilyn Monroe in this film. Oh. 
Now, can you imagine John Garfield and Marilyn Monroe in a film? Oh my god. I don't know who she would have played, but... <laughs> I think I read that once, and she was going to play Jennifer Jones' character. Nah, which, yeah, no. <laughs> I love you, Marilyn, but yeah. she would have been way too young. Yes. But, oh, it's like, them in a movie together, I could see it. I think they would get along pretty well. I think so, too. I yeah. think so, too. I was looking through Letterboxd. And the reviews are very mixed. So I think just based on this, like you not liking it that much and then me liking it a lot, like for our listeners, I would say if you're interested, watch it and just like come up with your own opinion. The ending is really brutal from what I remember. And I kind of, spoilers, I don't know if they handled his death like very well. Like he just died. But in a way that's like kind of more realistic. And then Jennifer Jones really did use a machine gun, by the way. It's like a real. real. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's incredible. (laughs) And it is amazing. I would say watch it for that. that Yeah, watch it for the end. Because (laughs) anytime, especially in older films, I see like a woman use a gun. Like it is just so empowering because you never really see that and of course I do not condone like shooting and killing but it's a movie so <laughs> there's it just reminded me though like in Night of the Hunter Lillian Gish has a <gasps> shotgun yes oh, oh, girl. <laughs> but yeah no Jennifer Jones of a gun is a sleigh mother yes. iconic behavior but no, you're, <laughs> what you said about the death is true it does just kind of happen and then that's the end and he is like shot and it's quite brutal for years yeah I wonder if that's maybe something else that like hindered it a bit. I think so. Just like the honesty and the, it's not really romanticized at all. Yes. Like their lives yes. are always in danger. They're dirty all the time and just trying not to get killed. So yeah, it's it's pretty brave that they made this film and it's too yes. bad that people don't really know about it. Only IMDb trivia that said that it flopped at the box office. Aww. Yeah. Or like it didn't do very well. So people just didn't want to watch it. Yeah, I could see that. I feel like, when did this come out? 40? I got 49. 49, okay. Yeah, maybe people just weren't ready. I feel like they weren't ready for it yet. Yeah. (laughs) It's very Marty McFly when he's, oh, your kids are going to love it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's about this film. (laughs) And I think in general, that's how a lot of, his films were especially his later ones yeah. when they get a little bit more political or his characters are pretty unsavory I just think people weren't used to that and sometimes it appealed to them and then sometimes it didn't yes yeah so I don't know if I would say he was like ahead of his time I like to think he was just because I think that this would have probably done better later on maybe not so soon after all this stuff happened in real life yeah, I could see it doing really well in the 50s because I feel like that was definitely a period all those prison movies were being made and yep. people lashing out over the blacklists and stuff. So I just think it was just really poor timing. Yeah, totally <laughs> so. agree. So we touched on the controversy surrounding we were strangers and i feel like this was one of the films that kind of helped put john garfield in the eyes of the house of un-american activities committee which i'll just refer to as hewac from now on and 
Throughout the 40s and 50s, they would interrogate people who worked in Hollywood, like directors, actors, writers. Basically, they wanted to prove that they were communists because everyone was very afraid of communism and they thought that the movie industry was the best one to target first for some reason. And this ended up getting a lot of people blacklisted. And most of the time it was for films that like really weren't pushing communist ideals or anything like that. In reality, they were mostly just targeting people who were very politically active or they were Jewish or they were African-American. So it was really more just like a bias thing than like actually trying to get people out of Hollywood. And so this ruined a lot of people's careers, John Garfield included. So we just wanted to talk about that. And so Louise, what do you think about the blacklist? Do you think it was helpful, harmful, or just a waste of time? It was just so harmful. Biggest waste of time. Come on. What was it? Just because they had a different kind of like political views as the norm. It's, just, it's insane to me. It really is. And this kind of like goes back to what Carla was saying about how John Garfield was like a real advocate for like Americans' free speech. And it's like, why would they target him? Like, after all he's done, for so, say Hollywood, not like Hollywood specifically, but, you know, for the actors, for the time period, for the war effort, and then to, to re- replace it, replace yeah. that with blacklisting him. It's awful. It's just insane to me. Yeah. And yeah, it's such a waste of time. And think of all the art that's been uh, taken away from us because they've been blacklisted. Yeah. I hate it. I hate it so much. What about you? Oh, yeah, I'm in the same boat. The fact that there wasn't really any reason behind doing it other than they just had a vendetta against certain people makes me really angry and they ruin people's lives. John Garfield might not have died if he hadn't been Mm -hmm. interrogated because of all the stress. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then just, yeah, thinking about all the films that could have been made, um, Because I think that if the blacklist hadn't happened, Hollywood might not have been and still be like so conservative. And just it's very it's still very hard to put political beliefs into films. I feel like it really just it made Hollywood not that Hollywood was already like a nice place, but I think it made it worse because they were turning people against each other. And now you can't really even access a lot of the films that they found problematic. A lot of creative visionaries who were making some of the best films of that time period just couldn't really work anymore. And what you said as well about how the people they targeted were mostly Jewish or African-American, like that just puts it plain and simple what this was. Like this is, it was never about the beliefs or they just used that as like a smoke screen. Yeah, I don't get it either because almost all of the studio heads were Jewish, but then they had yeah. like such a an anger against presenting Judaism in films and like actors who practice that religion. I don't really know why that was what they went against. Exactly. So who was on the Who Act? Was that like um, their job? You know what I mean? I think it was mostly related to the government. That makes sense. Richard Nixon was on the committee or he was like involved with of course he was more reasons to 
hate him. Yeah. <laughs> As if you needed more, but yeah, yeah there's another one. <laughs> I didn't think it would grow the list, but yeah, yeah. it does. I think Reagan also was, oh. or at least he like really was an advocate for it. And but that's someone who's in the industry. Well, yeah, I don't know how long he was an actor for, but like quite a long time. But, yeah. But, like, you would just turn on like people. Oh, I just made so mad. It makes me so yeah. mad. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather be mad at those people than the yes. people that stood up for themselves. Yes. I don't really understand the point of like why would they target film though? Yeah, that's what they always go for though, isn't it? It's yeah. book burning and stuff like that. Once you do that, once you get rid of all the films, you, know, you burn all the books, you burn the reels, like. That's how they, the government suppresses our knowledge. You know, get really tinfoil hat here, but it's an easy option because the film is a medium and books as well, but it goes against these thoughts that like the government wants the public to think. Yeah. So I think they thought, that's it, we've got to cut it off. Stop it. Yeah. I've seen a lot of the films that were, I don't know what you say for the film. Is a film blacklisted? <laughs> but like the, yeah I know what you mean yeah, yeah. But, yeah there is one I've seen that's called tender comrade and okay I was looking it up and apparently they just blacklisted it because it had the word comrade in the <gasps> title see they're not even like watching the film <laughs> no because I'm not gonna lie when you said comrade I was like oh well it yeah says everything I need to know but then the plot take it it's nothing to do with that no oh. yeah because it's actually very pro-america no. Um, and the term tender comrade comes from a poem that they put at the beginning oh of the film I don't know it's just it's so but stupid because like, I was thinking this like these government officials at the HUAC they probably didn't even know film I bet you like yeah. but that was just a clear day like it was in the title and they flagged it that's just yeah. wild to me I really only heard about it because I watched this documentary about the blacklist called Red Hollywood and they were talking about a lot of different movies and people and I don't remember quite what they mentioned because I watched it a while ago but it was interesting just to see it was basically any movie that had some sort of social or like political commentary and to me that's it's dangerous, I think, for people, especially the government, to basically censor. Like, they were just yes, censoring yeah. films as, that as they didn't as, agree with. Yeah. As soon as you start censoring it, then that just shows that they've lost control and they need to gain it back. Oh, it's horrible to think that. Yeah. And then I know with Kazan, he named names. And so now, like, everybody hates him. Yeah. But I don't know. I won't. I don't blame him because it's either, like, you name names and you get to keep working or yeah. you don't name names and then you never work again. Yeah. But what do you think about that? It's really tricky, isn't it? I guess sometimes like you have to look out for yourself in it. Oh God, I don't know if I could, but it's just, yeah, like you said, he would never have worked again otherwise. I think yeah. oh, it's so bad. I think what we got out of it. Yeah. If he wasn't a director, we probably wouldn't have a lot of the films made today, or it's just... Ugh. But on the whole, yeah, it does make me feel a bit like, oh, come on, man. Like, it's like I have so much respect that John didn't name anyone. I don't feel that way about, like, Kazan doing it to save him his skin. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that's okay. I think 
it's hard to say now because we know how it turned out but yeah yeah, I just think people are too hard on the people that did name names but I think maybe it's difficult to understand what the stakes were yeah could you imagine no and but yeah I mean I definitely admire John Garfield more because he didn't but yes yeah yeah it's just a terrible thing that really just didn't need to happen and I think if it hadn't ruined Hollywood basically then like people wouldn't care about it so much but yeah when were they active early 40s to early 50s nice well I think like the production code probably came into effect as well in that time yeah it was 1934 so film would have been so difficult (laughs) my god yeah and that's probably why a lot of the movies from like the late 30s to mid 40s are just really stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just so, to get it past any censor. Like. Yeah, just has to be fluff. Some actors and directors and writers did make a comeback. Yes. The guy that directed a couple of the John Garfield movies, I think he came back. Trumbo, because we watched the executive action. (laughs) Some of them wrote stuff under pseudonyms or they weren't credited because Trumbo wrote Roman Holiday, but then they just didn't put his name on the credits. Yes. Oh my God. That's so destroying. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so nice to hear people coming back from it and like having their careers, but then it fills me with so much sadness that like John died because of it. Like in a way, like it's the stress that induced his heart attack. He would have made a comeback because I think it, later on people would have been like, wow, that's so great that you did that and yeah. we want you to come back. Yes. So. Yeah. And I mean, the later films in his career are his best films. So it's sad we didn't get to see what he could have done. Could have been. I also think the fact that people couldn't make the films that they wanted to is something that like a lot of current audiences probably can't really understand either Mm -hmm. yeah because even before the blacklist just with the production code they would just like totally massacre what you put in your script and what you could and couldn't put in hollywood has been censoring stuff for a long time up until the 70s yeah that was when more like alters came through and stuff and yeah nowadays it's very unlikely you're gonna get a censored film anymore yeah you can put anything in (laughs) yeah at least in america i don't know about elsewhere but so would they so would they be charged with like with jail yeah it's so mad yeah and then a lot of people fled to europe so they could keep making movies so it's just it's weird to think like how far behind america has been like in movies from Europe, they could put nudity in French cinema in the 40s, and you can't even show cleavage in yeah. old Hollywood movies. <laughs> it's just it's so, so weird when you think of it like that. Yeah, I guess here in America, we're just more stifled or something. I don't know. <laughs> so you know Lee Grant, right? Yes, the actress. Yeah. Oh, a lovely Grant. <laughs> yes, icon. I well, don't know too much about her though. I read that she was blacklisted because her husband was a communist and she said that Huac told her that she could get off the blacklist if she named him but she didn't somebody else did yikes 
Oh, it's bad, isn't it? And she was blacklisted for 12 years. Just 12 years of not doing anything. What would that, like, I'm not doing films. What would that do to someone? Yeah. Like, oh I don't God. know. And it was when she was, like, mid-20s to mid-30s. So it's, like, the perfect yeah time to grow as an actor and for a woman like as well there's like your prime years in hollywood like yeah that's true my god it's just insane to me yeah that goes to show how strict or yeah yeah if you even spoke to someone at a party once they'd be on to you did you have any other thoughts on the blacklist or in like relation to john garfield it just made just anger, really, like a lot of anger. We did lose one of the best actors to such a stupid cause. Yeah, he was just hitting his stride and he was making movies that were important to him. Yes. And then they were just like, no, you can't do that. And to do that to someone is just really terrible and he deserved better. There's no reasonable explanation. 100% agree. Yeah. But I can get why everyone, like, nobody trusted each other anymore. No. It was, after it was, that. Yeah. I can imagine it being very, not yeah. willing to speak to people, like, oh, and that's a horrible place to be in. Yeah. John Garfield was also targeted because he was, like, the most famous name that they had. And so I think they just wanted to, like, show to people that we... We're threatening John Garfield, so we can yes. threaten anybody. Yes, very good point. Look, if we can even get to the most famous man, then you're not safe in it. It was just like some contest, I feel like, for them. Well, they were probably like, who can we bag today? Pretty much. But I have a quote that I wanted to read that John Garfield said at the end when he was testifying. Oh, yes. Um, so he said, when I was originally requested to appear before the committee, I said that I would answer all questions fully and without any reservations, and that is what I have done. I have nothing to be ashamed of and nothing to hide. My life is an open book. I was glad to appear before you and talk with you. I am no red. I am no pink. I am no fellow traveler. I am a Democrat by politics, a liberal by inclination, and a loyal citizen of this country by every act of my life. Wow. Wow. For him to say that. Like, whilst being interrogated and to still be so calm, have his words come out properly. He just astounds me. What a wonderful man he was. Yeah. And if you read the transcripts... Are they available? Yes. You can see he's very respectful. He never gets upset. He's very smart and knows how to put his words across. So I think he should also get credit for that as well. Yes, definitely. He does stand up for himself, so... Definitely. And that's something that he should always be remembered for. Yeah. We have three more films left. The first one is called Under My Skin, and it came out in 1950. And John Garfield plays Dan Butler, who is a jockey, but he is not built like a jockey at all. He's too, like, bulky. Like, jockeys are very small and slim. He has a son. He's like a single father. Oh, this is new. Yeah. Did he have kids in his films? Oh, I love that. No, it's an interesting dynamic because 
normally doesn't even have friend or something in his yeah. movies or like someone to bounce stuff off of that isn't a woman no I love women nothing no, against but, them but not yes. romantic or anything or he's like always that. being mean to them as well and I'm, I don't want to see that anymore but of course he does come across a woman she's like a nightclub singer and she becomes like a mother figure to the son while Zhang is like doing his jockey stuff he's in Italy because he was accused of throwing races in America, so he had to come to Italy. And a gangster wants him to lose a race on purpose, but he doesn't want to do that. Okay. And so then he goes to Paris, and now these guys are coming after him. Once again, he's on the run, but... He's it's always a, on the yeah. run. <laughs> <laughs> he cannot catch a break. No, but this, I feel like it's different enough because, like, they're in Europe. Yeah. He's got his son with him. He has a job. And it's sort of a romance, but, like, it's not sappy or anything. I think I'd recommend it. I, It's not, like, one of his greatest, but it's not one of his worst either. I think yeah. I watched on YouTube, so. Sounds um, like he's matured a little bit. Yeah. In a way, going out of those roles that he's been doing all this time he does have more responsibilities like with his kid and he has to get money somehow so he goes to some lengths that maybe aren't great but yeah just the fact that he has to support somebody else is always interesting to see so yes how is his kid famous no i don't think so he was kind of annoying that's what kind of brought it down a little bit for me. I'm like so specific about my child actors. There's a fine line. It needed to have Dean in it. Yeah. <laughs> he probably would have been a oh, little yeah. too old at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, no, it might uh, have just missed it. Yeah. But this, it says the kid that did play his son was also in Anchors Away. Oh. Don't remember him then. Oh, also, John Garfield like speaks some Italian in it. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I don't Does really know good? Italian, but it, yeah, it sounded yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. quite a physical role as well. He's running a lot. He's doing like jump oh, rope. Did we um, see him on a horse? Does I think ever, so. Like... Yeah. I mean, there's a double for when they do the racing oh. scenes, but I think yeah. he like just like walks around the horse walks around while he sits on it i love that <laughs> i'll count it i'll count it yeah, say that. yeah i'm not really sure why he chose this one didn't really seem like something he would want to do at this point interesting but he still does a good job yeah M- maybe the roles were limited now like he was under yeah scrutiny. probably yeah i think maybe they made it in europe as well i'm not like, oh that's don't quote yeah on that, but... <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> we could go to the breaking point if you'd like. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm so intrigued by cool. this one. I, this <laughs> premise is so cool. This one came out in 1950. It was, I think it was his last film with Michael Curtiz. Yeah, yeah, because he ran all the way by him. Okay. I think they were very good collaboration. Yes. In my opinion. Oh, and this is a, I forgot, it's a remake of to have and have not oh okay um, i did not know that i haven't seen it though so i can't say if it's like which one is better or not no fair but i like this one john garfield plays a boat captain oh, back and in the boat yeah and he's convinced by this lawyer to 
smuggle eight Chinese men from Mexico to California in his boat. And of course, it goes wrong. Always. Yes. <laughs> now he is gonna get involved in like lots of illegal activities with this lawyer guy to help support his family because they don't really have any money. He's married in this one. His wife doesn't like, of course, she doesn't support this. And he kind of starts seeing this prostitute played by Patricia Neal. Nice. And so he's not like a great guy. (laughs) But I think he brings like something to the role that I couldn't have seen someone else doing the main issue I remember having with it is I love Patricia Neal but like she didn't need to be there yeah (laughs) she's kind of just a reason to like further push John Garfield's character and his wife's character apart from each other there's a point you made earlier actually which I think is perfect for all of his films but when you said that although he's evil he brings something else to it that no one else probably would and I yeah. think you just hit the nail on the head with his acting career. <laughs> like, that's literally John. Like, yeah, sometimes, like, they do sometimes version a bit, like, cartoonish villain of him emerging from fog and stuff. Like, but no one else would have been able to pull it off like he does. I think it's interesting when you brought up uh, Humphrey Bogart was going to be in Is Out of the Fog. Yes, I think it was. Okay. And then John Garfield played a role that Humphrey had played years before and it's funny because I wouldn't compare the two or like really put them in the same box or anything like that yeah it's completely totally different to each other I feel like but one's like mainstream and the other isn't in a way yeah because I think this might be one of his more well-known ones but not really that well-known yeah compared to some other movies yeah I would also recommend this one and it's just at the point in his career where He's really matured as an actor. Yes. And just seems more natural to him. Like, I think sometimes in his earlier career, you know, he's got a little growth. To- I think I know what you mean. I think I know what you mean. With like, you can, he is going extra to be like cynical and mean and stuff. But as his films go on, he like goes into the role more. Compared to the other people we've covered on here, it's interesting that he's the only one who at the end of his career was like getting better because I think yes. most of the other ones were getting worse. Yes. Other than maybe like Sharon Tate because her career wasn't that long, but... In terms of, yeah, films made, yeah. oh, that's definitely true. Yeah. He did. If you look at it like chronologically in it, which is bad as well. Yeah. Both sides, it's sad when they're like, rising or they're low in. Yeah, for me, it's equally disappointing. I think sometimes the downfall is harder though because it's it's yes it's easier to be like yeah yeah oh darn I wish we could have seen him do this instead of we saw them at like their lowest level and I don't know yeah just yeah bad I'd rather end on a high than not 100% agree yeah should we talk about the last one? Last one is last film but right I don't know about you but I think he ended it on a great one yeah he ran all the way, 1951, directed by John Barry. Listen to what John's name is in this. This is a classic John <laughs> Nick Roby. Perfect. Perfect. Nick. I love it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was a Nick in another film as well, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, at least two other films I can think of. I think it's him doing back to his roots, but like we said, like tweaking it and defining it better. Basically, he's a criminal. Now, I actually can't remember how he gets hold of all that money at the beginning. He robs someone. 
Oh yeah, they kill some yeah. guy and he's carrying like this briefcase of $10,000, I think. Yeah, so he's on the run and at the beginning he's like trying to evade the police and like he goes to a swimming pool. <laughs> I, don't, I remember this so vividly and he's like, so shifty this bit and I wanted to scream, Nick, please, just act normal. Yeah. <laughs> They're going not, to catch you if you're going to be like this. Yeah, it seems so obvious. Because like, he puts like the briefcase in a locker and he goes swimming. Yeah, I, just, I kind of respect actually. Hide under the wall. Yeah. But he's covered. acting so so suspicious. The lifeguard's looking at him. Like and then that's where he also meets Shelly Winter. It's Shelly Winter, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, yeah. They meet in the swimming pool and it's so great. And like she can't swim, but she goes there like every week. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, I just love this scene. I think it's brilliant. He goes out of the swimming pool and he thinks he, his locker's open and he's like where's my briefcase where's my briefcase and then the attendant he's talking to like literally just moves the door the open door and it's covering his locker and it's like oh god nick come on read the numbers on the locker (laughs) and he like grabs the guy by the shirt he's like getting aggressive he's like being all nice to peggy when they're in the pool because he wants to use her as someone he can take advantage of and so he follows her outside and he's like let me take you home and then he's like can let me stay in your oh, with you so because bad. why not and she's just like okay sure but like i can't remember the exact quote but she says that she like always attracts like these type of guys oh yeah <laughs> oh Peggy. he's in her house with her mom and dad and her younger brother who's a kid her kids are there yeah isn't technically keeping them hostage because when it's a hostage you want something out of it he mm. doesn't so I, he, he just he doesn't want him to leave me and like it's oh it's quite scary watching it actually he's horrible in this not as an acting wise but like in personality wise he's maybe his oh i don't know out of the fog i think it's still his meanest but yeah this is but this is like unhinged and he's paranoid he doesn't trust any of them the dad's always trying to like get out in a way mm. it's interesting though because like she does go to work during all of this but like he, he basically manipulates them all and not saying anything stuff and then it's last it's in the apartment for a very long time in the film and he dies at the end which i don't think about now it's, it's quite sad to watch your final role yeah you die because yeah. he dies yeah yeah but it's an excellent film i thought it was really well done and i love bottle episodes so, like, when it primarily took a lot of place in the house, right <laughs> up my street. Perfect. <laughs> I find it interesting how many of these home invasion movies were made during this time. I guess everybody was really afraid of that or something. Like, it was very sought after. I have this thing where I watch things, like, say, set in the 50s or the 70s. And it's like, when it's nighttime, I'd be so scared in the house because, like, you kind of have yeah. access to a phone. Call someone. They're like completely on your own. Yeah, and they didn't even have their own phone. It was like out in no. the hall or like they had to use yeah. their neighbors or something. When they were on the phone as well, he was always watching. Or when someone knocked on the door, they would like have to open it for like so that they he could would see be like watching. the dad. Yeah. He would be right by the door. Oh my god, that's <laughs> so good. Audrey, what do you think of it? I definitely wasn't as big a fan as you, but I still yeah. enjoyed it. I thought it wasn't a bad do they call it like a swan song or like just the last film for him? Yeah performance-wise, but maybe just um, yeah. as a film, no. But as, like, 
a role yet. I don't know. I'm very mixed on it. Yeah. No, that's fair. Because I really liked him and Shelley Winters. The family was okay. I wish they'd been developed more. And I oh, wish yeah, they had a family dynamic as well, because we didn't really yeah. get to see them interact with each other. And I was really annoyed at like how stupid they were. <laughs> there were so many ways they could have gotten out. Like. Yeah, because they didn't really try at all. No. Nick still let them go to work. Like they probably yeah. could have told someone and he wouldn't have figured out. Yeah. And I think as the movie went on, like they realized he wasn't actually going to shoot them. Like he would threaten them with the gun, but I think he was too scared to shoot anyone. And I think they were smart enough to figure that out. So even if the police did come, I doubt he would have killed anyone. And I thought even for like being kind of short, it moved a little too slowly for me. There was a lot that happened but in the middle, they were kind of just like sitting around the house. And I don't know, I just got tired of that. Like yeah, they didn't yeah. really keep up the tension. But it looks great. James Wong Howe is the cinematographer. And then using the swimming pool was interesting. I've never seen a swimming pool in an old movie. That's very true. I didn't get why Shelley Winters, she went there twice a week. But she didn't know how to swim. What was she doing? <laughs> She's using it to pick up men. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I think the concept of swimming is weird because you're like not really wearing anything and you're just like in this shared water with strangers (laughs) the last scene is the best scene though it's very tense and I liked that she was the one to shoot him I thought that was an interesting decision but like I feel like she should have been the one to do it because she was the one that he tormented the most yeah yeah I like one location movies but I felt like they didn't use it enough the camera work was good but it would have been nice if it moved around more like within the house yeah there was only so much they could do with the camera which sucks because now we would see so many improvements on it yeah I remember in the scene when he and the little boy are sleeping in the same bed and he tied their feet together (laughs) oh my god I literally completely forgot about that and that (laughs) How did the boy not wake up like when he was tying it on it? (laughs) I don't know. There's just like lots of little details like that in the film that bothered me of like, why didn't the characters notice this or do this or think of that or something? Because there's also an annoying bit with the newspaper. Oh, yeah. Because he's on the front cover. The dad makes, he's not convinced him. He's like, oh, no, we did get a paper. Yeah, and he's like hiding it. Oh my god, man, act, come on. Yeah, and then the little boy's like, oh yeah, I saw the paper. Oh yeah. Such a little narc. It is a narc. It's a bit silly in some ways, but not on purpose. I think it was taking me out a little bit. Yes. Well, there's four of them, three and a half, if you don't want to call the kid. Yeah. (laughs) You can just rush in. Yeah, he was really stupid as well. Yeah, I'm thinking in the kitchen. Pour hot water on him from the kettle. Yeah. Do anything. Yeah. Or slip a note to tons of people came to the door and they never gave anyone anything or dropped something out the window. I don't know. Like he didn't really try that hard to keep them boxed in. So no, they should have taken advantage of that. So I think for me, it wasn't believable enough. Like I felt like they weren't really in that much danger. Of course I felt bad for them, but it got to a certain point where I was like, they're just not trying anything no and I don't get why yeah (laughs) 
yeah Shelly and John like I'd watch it for them because they have yes. they give like amazing performances I really love Shelly Winters I think you do <laughs> a lot of people on Letterboxd are pointing out like her characters always have like really terrible taste in men <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was funny because yeah it's true. <laughs> hello Night of the Hunter yeah she can't pick them no <laughs> Or have you seen A Place in the Sun? I have not, though. No. Oh, okay. That's oh, another no, one. The... Oh, bless. Like, oh, poor Shelly. <laughs> Did you like her and John Garfield together? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They really have chemistry. Yeah. And he's nice to her. So, like, when he goes to her house for the first time, I know he's, it's all kind of an act because he's just using her. But, ah, yeah, I actually thought they, they look good together. They act well together. That's a duo I'd like to see more of. Yeah. The scene where she, like, puts her hand on his forehead, and then he, like, grabs her hand. Yeah. It, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> now but, we see why she went for it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, it would have been fun to see them in another movie where maybe, like, he wasn't trying to kill her. So. <laughs> <laughs> Please, it's him being nice to her. That's all she deserves. <laughs> also, I was watching, I was wondering how old she was supposed to be like her character because she seems yes. very young. Because also you've got to think about it, right? In those days, they would get married, like women would get married young and she wasn't married. Oh, she must have been like, I would say 20-ish, right? Maybe yeah, I was thinking you like 19 tell. or 20, which made it weirder <laughs> Yeah, because he obviously was older, much older and also yeah. creepy. Oh, I didn't think of that one. That's how we manipulated her. Any other thoughts or should we move it's, on to our it's next? It's really sad because this is the end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I recommend it. I do recommend it. Yes. It's short, so yeah, if you've mm-hmm. got some time. So I know you said you had uh, something you wanted to talk about, like in relation to him not really being as well known as a lot of his contemporaries. Yes, Did you yeah, wanna definitely. talk about that? Yeah, like, because... I didn't know who he was when you first mentioned him. I think it was when we did our Q and A. No, I've never heard of him. I didn't know who he was. <laughs> and it just got me thinking because yeah, like why are there so many others we remember from that time period? So I think it's because of his roles he did. They're not really a lot of them aren't films that hold up today. And I think it's so. I I hate to always bring him up, but like so with Cary Grant, he had his himbo roles, he had his war roles. And then he went into the Hitchcock side of him when he was a suave and stuff. And obviously, John Garfield didn't get to do that many films, but he was one note in a way, played mm-hmm. a criminal in every single film. And I think audiences now would rather want to, wa- nowadays, would rather watch Bringing Up Baby, a comedy that still holds up, rather than an out of date noir. Yeah. It's something you have to watch it. Like, you have to will yourself into watching. Whereas yeah. a lot of like, <laughs> Films from that time, like the golden age, they're remembered because they're fun. And I really, it's sad because he was in such a small amount of films. He wasn't, but like, he was in. Yeah, compared to everybody else. Yeah. It's very, like, 31 is small potatoes. Yeah. (laughs) That's insane. 31 in 12 years? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like it's just not, his films aren't very mainstream with modern audiences today. What do you think? He's always, like, the best part of the movies, but then the films themselves are, like, 
oh yeah, this was definitely made in the 40s. Yeah. <laughs> Does not really hold up to today's standards. And I hate that he got typecast because I think that also limited his appeal maybe for modern audiences, like you were saying. Even someone like James Cagney started out with the gangster stuff, like he could branch out to romance or musical or comedy. And for some reason, I guess they just didn't think John Garfield could do that. So yeah, I think just his limited, not his limited range, but like no. what, what they, put him in. they gave him. Yeah, like, but it's interesting also, though, because Marilyn Monroe is very typecast, but like people yeah. remember her. Yeah. And like John Garfield was a sex symbol, too. So yeah, that's very I, true. Yeah, I don't really know what it is, honestly. But... <laughs> See, but I feel like with women, it's so much more easier to have the looks and stuff that you'd remember. Like we could all name like a dress that Marilyn wears, like a pink one in Gentleman, or, like the seven year itch one. Yeah. With women, you can always. I, we, we had a whole section on the Natalie pod about her outfits. Yeah. I couldn't... What does John Garfield wear? <laughs> so things like that. He's not in that zeitgeist. Like, it's... Yeah. But that's a really good point to compare him to Marilyn. And yeah, they were both sex symbols at their time. Why did it... Why isn't yeah. John known? He should be, though, because yeah. he's very good. He was, like, a precursor to... Yeah. A lot of people that others now you're fans of i just thought of something yeah, yeah go ahead because we're i am with like the modern audiences but think about his funeral oh like tens of thousands of people there yeah but in the 40s or 50s should i say it was massive yeah why hasn't that followed on i don't know i can think of some other people who are huge in their time and like no one has heard of them yeah. Yeah, why? And they weren't even blacklisted like he was. I mean, I do think the blacklist thing is That's a part of it, but Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like a generational thing because I just think people in general who were born in like the 21st century, they just don't really pay that much attention to older stars. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's so it's getting very hard to make people watch old films like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So just I would say for any of our listeners if you're one that like don't really aren't really familiar with any of the people we've talked about in this episode then we would encourage you to check out some of their work or just the time period in general because yeah I mean there wouldn't be movies now probably without some of these films or actors totally agree John Garfield inspired Scorsese come on everyone knows who Scorsese is John Garfield probably uh, inspired a lot of like actors that Scorsese has worked with, at least yeah. with the, with the style of acting. Oh yeah, he was kind of like the first method in a way, isn't it? Yeah, but he's nothing like Marlon Brando or Montgomery oh. Clift or James yeah, Dean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is like why it bothers me when people compare him to them. Yeah. But yeah, he definitely created something different for others to interpret in their own way. Yeah. Should we talk about like some films or actors or directors who would have liked to have seen him do or work with? Yeah, okay. I've got two directors and two films. Okay. So I have no idea how to pronounce his last name, but have you watched any of Max Ophuls films? O P H U L S. I've seen one, and I actually was. <laughs> 
I was gonna oh, put no. him in one of them. No. That's insane. <laughs> That's in- no, shut up. <laughs> oh my god. Which one? Which one? It might be the one I've seen. Hot. Oh, I have not seen that. Okay. <laughs> I haven't got like a specific film, but I just feel like because what he was doing in that time period, of course. I've no idea if I'm saying that, but um, I just feel like <laughs> he would kind of get him as mm-hmm. an actor. Um, it's tricky because I want to say an actor that like, worked with him as well, but I think I want him cast him as, as John, so I don't know if I'm going to keep his name until then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I forget why, I'll, I'll tease it, but yeah. Okay. I just feel like those works he did in the 40s and 50s, like it was all like noirs as well. Kind of different vibe though, it was more like familial stuff. I just think he would have gotten John Garfield. Yeah, I guess I'll say mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, that is weird because I don't think anyone is really that familiar with him either as a director. So it's yeah. like crazy that we both. <laughs> but I would have wanted John Garfield to play James Mason's role, which I'm sure just like out of context is very weird. <laughs> but John Garfield would have been a much better fit for the part because James Mason plays this doctor who works in Brooklyn, I think. And he's supposed to be like a down-to-earth, like rough and ready guy, but it's James Mason, who's British and also just very polished. It just doesn't Beautiful work. Boy. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like he was the right fit for it. And I think John Garfield would have done it better. And oh. I guess he would have been playing a doctor again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but, but he would be creepy, at least. <laughs> maybe maybe still abusing like the doctor code yeah but he's the main character isn't his patient so it's okay. not as weird and That's she doesn't have much. amnesia so. <laughs> i personally think the character is a little bit evil but he's not the main villain so he would have been more of like a supporting kind of guy pretty nice yeah no, that doesn't sound like a mason role no know? it was taking me out i was like why are you in this movie <laughs> You should not be here. So I've got Billy Wilder as a director. Oh, just nice. because, at least now, this is still... Sorry, I'm just so boring. It's still noirish oh. sort of film. <laughs> but, but now, this is more 50s and 60s. And I just feel like they Billy Wilder would just also... Would have directed John Gray. Like, I think he would have got him. And yeah. I know I go on about this film all the time. I love mm. it so much. And it was on at Christmas, so it made me think of it. But in some like it hot, could you imagine <laughs> if John Garfield was Spats? <laughs> oh, the head gangster. That would be great, actually. <laughs> right? <laughs> I need it. I need it so yeah. much. And it would be great to honor a legend in that drum in that genre. Yeah. And right. it would be comedy as well. Yes. yes, which we yeah. didn't see him in. He could have done comedy. He sometimes does it, but I think if just a straight out comedy would have been really fun. I can't, you're going to be like, what? But I have a comedy show, I think. What comedy show I think he could have done? But I've never seen it, because, okay. and this might hurt you because it's the main actor. But do you think he could have done Columbo? I actually haven't watched any episodes yet. No, that's fine. Um, There's so many screen caps on Twitter. I'm going to I'm definitely going to at some point but oh based on this I something I will say later will probably crack you up so I won't say it now but yeah no that's fine (laughs) 
but once I watch some episodes, I'll let you know. You can, you can yeah. probably say, cool, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so they work together as actors and they work together very well. So I would have liked to have seen him and Ida Lupino, like her directing him in a film, mm-hmm. because I think we already saw them being good in front of the screen and they liked each other and she could have gotten a really good performance out of him but she didn't start directing until a later point of his career okay I was gonna say did he know her when she was directing as well like maybe I I wish I knew more about their friendship I know they were friends but that's all I know how many of hers have you seen I didn't know she was a director I've seen four but I think she did eight and I'm going to do a post about her films, actually. Uh, I'm oh. going to finish her films. Yeah, <laughs> Love that. Yes. Plug it. Yes. I just always would want people to be in female-directed yeah. films. <laughs> More female-directed films, yes, please. please. <laughs> Who, did you have, like, roles he could have replaced? I technically haven't seen it. <laughs> So it's like, can I really say this? But oh, I did win the Oscar for it. But I was thinking about, I think if he lived, if John Garfield lived longer, I think Scorsese would have got him because, come on, that is it's the one who made him a director. Yeah. So I can imagine, I'm trying to think of like age range wise. So I know we do it in a way that like age doesn't matter. But imagine him old. I'm thinking of Goodfellas, maybe. Oh, okay. Joe Pesci's role. But like, I love him in that because I love the funny house he put. But I just think it would be a really great moment to see the king of, I know I've always said this, but like the king of noir <laughs> films, like a gangster flick from the 90s. Yeah. I'd love it. I haven't seen that one, so I can't Don't say. You? But yeah, I think he, it would have been cool to see him work with Scorsese. Yeah, because I think he, Scorsese was such a big fan. And also had a Stanley Kubrick film, but once again, <laughs> I haven't seen it. I've just seen like clips from it. Full Metal Jacket. Oh, yes. So I've not properly watched it, but I'm on the internet. I see clips. I've seen loads <laughs> of clips. And the sergeant in it, who's really mean, and he's like oh. shouting at them in the bunk beds. Now I know he's tall and quite imposing, but I could see John reaching those like inner anger. Of yeah. Him. And like and what we said about how like, you know, he's menacing because he's short. I feel like that would be cool to see. He's just shouting at all these men. <laughs> I think I only saw him shout in one movie and it freaked me out because I haven't ever heard him shout. I think it was he ran all the way. I was going to say, because yeah, you don't like it when people, or I'm the same, I don't like it when they scream. It's like yeah, acting, isn't it? Yeah. But when he did it, because he never does it, I was a little scared. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing him be like more outwardly angry because I feel like he was always in like a simmering rage. Yes. And so yes. it'd be, yeah. I think he would know how to do it in a way that wasn't cringe. Marlon Brando. Yes. I didn't realize this is going to make me sound like a James Mason anti-type. I had another one. (laughs) Which one? I have seen so many James Mason films by accident. I feel like he's that kind of actor. He just is like randomly in movies. (laughs) (laughs) So you may have seen this one. It's also in the 1001 book, but Ooh, okay. it's bigger than life. I haven't seen oh, that. Okay, okay. I didn't think he did a bad job. I think it would have been interesting to see John Garfield do it, though, because yeah. he plays 
this father who gets sick and then he becomes addicted to this drug that he has to take okay. um, and so it's either like he ha- he dies in three months or he's very volatile and abusive to his family so it's like a family drama it sounds like there's no joy in it whatsoever <laughs> no I didn't like it and another one I have is Marlon Brando in Reflections in a Golden Eye which is a weird one and he plays this army sergeant or like something of that sort at this base and he's married to Elizabeth Taylor <laughs> and, oh. um, <laughs> but he's like closeted and he's in love with or not really in love, like, it's a little creepy, but he's obsessed with this, one of the people, like, guys in his, in so the military like, camp. So, like, Marlon Brando is gay in it, then? Yeah. Wow, when was that made? 66, I think. That's, oh my god, that's yeah. insane! But then, but the, like, film. wow, but it's not, it's probably not done very well. Not really. No, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> But then the guy that he's obsessed with is obsessed with Elizabeth Taylor because, like, you know, <laughs> it's Elizabeth Taylor. You would, yeah. Yeah. So it's just this weird, like, repressed. It's really weird. I don't know. But I think Marlon Brando just didn't seem like the right fit. And I think it would have been more of a, like, what's the word? A nuanced character for John Garfield to play. And I think he would have done it well. And we already talked about earlier how some of his movies are a bit homoerotic. So I think he yep. could have brought that. I know Marlon Brando was bisexual, but he just, I don't know, he seems so uncomfortable. Yeah. And then another one, I haven't seen this movie, but I know you have. Oh, <laughs> I was okay. going to ask you about it. Apparently he really wanted to play the role that ended up going to Frank Sinatra in The Man with the Golden <gasps> Arm. What do you think? Yeah, 100%. Well, you know how much I hate Sinatra as an actor. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. This is incredible. Yeah. It's his genre. It's too bad he didn't get to do that one, though, because I feel like that probably would have established him more as a dramatic actor. Yeah. Definitely. But that director as well, Otto Preminger, I think he would have been a good good fit for Garfield. Okay. I don't like him. (laughs) I don't know if I would have wanted to like see him. No, <laughs> but I see what you mean though. Very like, well, I don't even want to say ahead of its time because they're quite dated, but like risque for the time. Yes, for when they were released. Yeah. Okay. Should we do our fancast? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh my um, god. Should we end with John? Sure. Okay. Oh god, my face is so bad. <laughs> okay. I, let's do Ida. Let's do Ida. Okay. Okay. So really difficult but she is a beautiful woman oh my god gorgeous and so i've gone for an old hollywood actress huh? you've already mentioned her i went for elizabeth taylor but when she's young oh okay yeah i might be wrong but they, i feel like they have this, they're both so gorgeous so i just and i feel like they kind of look similar nose shape in a way and she is british so yeah no. i didn't even know ida was yeah she hardly ever plays the british character though so I went with Emma Watson. <laughs> oh, I love that. I okay, love that. okay. Yes, okay, nice. We didn't start off too bad. No. That's good. Yeah. No. <laughs> Should we go to a man? Should we do Claude? Sure. Okay. This was so difficult. When I first Googled yeah. him, I got Brian Cranston vibes, but then I was like, no, he's really tall and doesn't really look like him. <laughs> <laughs> 
remember so if we mentioned like him at all. No, forgive me if we've already. I feel like we haven't, but I also feel like I get deja vu from this name. But, yeah. So I went with Andy Circus. Oh, yeah, that's good. Very good. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That came to me today. Whoa. Yeah. Under Bob pressure. Rains spoke to you. <laughs> <laughs> I went with a young Albert Finney. Oh. I don't know why. I <laughs> Albert Finney. Yeah. I don't think who is that? Google. The only thing I really know him from was like he was an Annie. Okay. He okay. played Daddy Warbucks. <laughs> this first photo that I no, I don't hate it. I don't okay. hate it at all. I like it. Claude Rains looks very familiar to me. Like he looks like some other actor I've seen, but I can't yes. like I couldn't place it. So Yes. Who should we do next? You choose Priscilla or Lana. Let's do Priscilla. Okay. I went with another old actress, Barbara Stanwyck. Ooh, okay. Friend of the pod. Yes. Just looks wise. Let me look at young Barbara. Have you seen Stella Dallas? Because no. that's the best film ever. Oh my God, go watch that. I think I had a try watch list recently, so I'll get to it. I think, uh, yeah, I could see it. I also went with an older actress, and I did uh, Ginger Rogers. <gasps> Very nice. Oh, so good. <laughs> I hate it. It's so oh. good. <laughs> they look really similar to me. Yeah. Yeah. Go look at Ginger. I like Priscilla better. Yes. Yeah, sorry, I've... Ginger. Do we do Lana? Lana, yes. Yeah. So this is another new actress. Um, this is a bit, oh, I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> but I think it's her films come out recently so she's just on my mind but it's madeline klein she's very very pretty and Ooh, yeah i see that i see that it's so tricky though because you're right we've got a big, big picture her in black and white and like yeah with her hair in the 40s look and it's so yeah. tricky it is <laughs> so i went with 90s drew barrymore <gasps> Very nice, yeah. But she had a, she had a platinum blonde era, yes, and yeah. she looked really good. <laughs> I'm just looking up. So is that Scream era? No, specifically in the movie Bad Girls, she has okay. bleach blonde hair. But yeah, oh yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. Oh, that isn't Dermot in that film. Yeah, yeah. I know you too well. Yeah. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> no, that's a shout. Okay. So. Big oh, God. Okay, so <laughs> I had two, right? Oh, okay. So my first one, but this is why I came up with another one, because we've already, you, okay. you've casted him as uh, something before. Oh. So I went with a young Harvey Keitel. Because <laughs> of so the face shape. But then you're not going to believe this. So I thought, okay. okay, you know what? Let's come up with someone else. This was today. And okay. I've had to sit on my tongue for our last like couple of hours. Because I went for James Mason. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just going to smile and nod. <laughs> you, bang, you, bang, you put him in all James Mason's films. <laughs> But like, I was like, you get it then, yes. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, okay, let me let me look at some It's all within photos. the face shape. Okay. Like, 
I know they're not the same vibe. Do you think you could do an Uruk accent? Oh, for sure. I think Harvey tells a better one. It's a bit, yeah, okay. Okay. Okay, young Harvey Keitel. Yeah. What about you? Okay, so this relates because you fancasted John Garfield in one of his roles. Oh no! Is so, it? I forgot uh, who it is. Yeah, I went with Peter Falk. I knew, yes, I knew it. This is in Audrey. This is insane. How much we have to? I know. Him. He's from New York. He's a yep. short king. Yep. I mean, they don't really look that similar, but it could work. He would make it work. If anyone yeah. could do it, it's Peter Falk. Yeah. I live for that. I love that. <laughs> Also, I was also thinking, I think John Garfield would have been good in Mickey and Nicky. Mickey and, Mikey and Nicky. Mikey and Nicky. <laughs> Mikey and Nicky yeah. He would have. Yeah, I refrained from fan casting him in any of the of Peter Falk's movies because I don't want to give it away. But no, you I think he, he really could have done some of that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Peter Falk, beautiful. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I feel like we ended strong. No. That was brilliant. Should I do six degrees really quick? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I got it in one degree. <gasps> nice. Very proud of myself. So Natalie Wood was in This Property is Condemned with Robert Blake. He played like Sid. Do you remember Sid? <laughs> I feel like I do. <laughs> he was the was one that like really was in love with her, but she didn't really. Yeah. And then he played a young John Garfield in Humoress. No way! Yeah. Oh, young in that. Yeah. Oh, 40s and then 60s. Yeah. Wow. Very good. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. Like, I, Thank I've you. been shocked by that. <laughs> Should we close out? Or did you have any yeah. thoughts? I just want to just go in and watch John Garfield films. He's one of the greatest actors to ever do it. So. I really don't be afraid. I know we've been not like negative. We, it's been films that we like can take or leave, but like they're really good. Yeah, like, I'd say Body and are. Soul. Yes. He ran all the way. And oh, maybe Four Daughters, like just for his performance. Yes, yes, yes. And The Breaking Point. Oh, and The Sea Wolf. <laughs> and The Sea Wolf. <laughs> See, just watch them all. Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you as definitely... well for introducing me to it. Oh, yeah. Thank you all so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed it and make sure to check out some of John Garfield's films. We'll see you next week. We'll be wrapping up our 2022 in film, talking about our most watched actors and doing some superlatives and answering a few questions. I cannot wait. (laughs) Okay, good. It'll be fun. And we hope you guys have a great day and are having a wonderful new year. This episode was co-hosted and edited by me, Audrey Cornell, and co-hosted by Louise Coleman. The music was written by Nia D'Amelio. Gone But Not Forgotten is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.